attention to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For a few moments tonight, I just want to, to bring out a precious truth that I believe will help somebody. Amen. From 2 Corinthians chapter 4, thank you worship team for leading us into the presence of the Lord, musicians, and thank God for for the ability to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Hallelujah. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. I want to concentrate our attention on on those four statements by the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church. We're troubled on every side, but we're not distressed. We're plexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. And I just want to preach to you for just a few moments tonight on the subject, cast down, but not destroyed. Cast down but not destroyed. Amen. Could you lift your voice in prayer this evening unto the Lord? God, we thank you. You are great and greatly to be praised, and your name is great. We worship you tonight, and we ask for you to move in this house. We ask you to touch lives. Minister to us, Lord, through your word. Let your spirit have free course. Hallelujah. Lord, let us hear your word. Let it speak to us and minister to us. Oh, God, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand, asking for your word to give us guidance and direction. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Let me take a moment and just point out what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he makes a statement such as, we are always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. He is describing this process of demonstrating through natural life cycles, especially those of the born again believer, of living for the Lord and demonstrating the power of God in our lives. Uh, The gospel of Jesus Christ is this, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, 
and the resurrection of Jesus. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Everything God created, every creation from the foundation of the world, and every new creature, amen. Don't you know that's, that's what we are? We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. All of it is ordained to demonstrate the glory of the Lord and to, to demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. To demonstrate and to manifest the life of Jesus. So the Apostle Paul says, look, I've gone through some things. You've gone through some things. We deal with trials. We deal with struggles in our life. But he said these are, these are matters and, and, and situations that attend us that demonstrate the dying of the Lord Jesus. See, the dying of the Lord Jesus was one of the most, one of the most amazing things that occurred, one of the most brutal things, and yet it was something that, that provided hope for all humankind because he took into his mortal body the sin of every man, the sin of every woman, and he became sin for those of us who have no hope without him. Hallelujah. So it's a beautiful thing, and it, while, while it was a, a terrible thing to observe, it, it was a beautiful thing regarding the salvation of all mankind. And yet, when people look upon this, it is a sobering uh, reality that sets in on them. As a matter of fact, Jesus even said concerning the cross of Calvary, He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a magnetism that is associated with the story of the death of Jesus Christ. He is God manifest in human flesh. And he gave himself for humanity who had no hope. These creatures from the dirt. He gave himself. God in flesh gave himself. For humanity, that is the most appealing message that has ever been spoken. No God that has ever been spoken of in mythology was willing to do that. Nobody's, nobody's concept of a God was willing to do such a thing. And yet the God you serve, the God I serve, the God whose name I was baptized in, He is willing and able to lay down his life so that I may live. Oh, glory to his name. It's a beautiful message. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, not only do we see it on display at the cross of Calvary, but we see that same message on display in the lives of those who follow Jesus. For instance, when you go through a trial of life, you are demonstrating that death of Jesus Christ. People see you suffer. Know that. They see you suffer. They see you going through problems. They see you going through difficult times. And, and, and we've all gone through difficult times. Some of us have gone through uh, difficult times that, that either pale in comparison to others or are, are just so far beyond what another person may Imagine if we went around the room and said, describe the most trying time of your life. 
It would become a sobering thing as we went around the room and people would describe the physical pain or they would describe the emotional anguish or they would describe the spiritual anguish or they, or they would describe the feelings of loss or feelings of betrayal or some sort of, of dying of their flesh, dying of their will. And, and, and it would become a somber uh, concept, a sobering reality as we would listen to one one testimony after another of people describing what their most difficult pain in life has been. And I want you to know that when you went through that, you didn't go through that alone. The Lord was with you. The Bible teaches us that when we suffer, we have fellowship with Him. You never have such close fellowship with God than when you suffer. The Lord is with us when we suffer. The Lord is with us in our most trying times of life. In our most difficult circumstances, the Lord is with us. And so the Apostle Paul said, we are always bearing about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus. There's always something in me that is dying, always. There's never a time when I'm serving the Lord, there's never a time that I'm not experiencing some uh, sort of death in my life. Be it the death of my will or the death of my agenda, or the death of a relationship that the Lord is terminating, or, or the death of some sort of, of uh, emotional uh, imbalance that the Lord is, is correcting and, and developing. And ultimately, He's trying us by fire so He can make us pure gold. Hallelujah. But there is this, this constant dying, but it's not... It's not just for the sake of dying. It's, it's, it's not just so you can demonstrate the dying of the Lord Jesus. But Paul said it is also so that you can manifest the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus is manifest when we surrender to the dying of the Lord Jesus in our life. So, so we go through trials. We go through struggles. We go through difficulties. And there's something in us dying. And there's something in us coming to life. When one thing dies, it gives birth to something that is so beautiful and so wonderful. So somebody may experience the death of selfishness and they give birth to a new life of compassion for those around them. So it's, it's an amazing process and ultimately it is developing you and I into the kind of man of God, the kind of woman of God that the Lord knows we are to be. Praise the Lord. And so Paul describes that. We which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Why? That the life of Jesus, hallelujah, might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. I'm always going through something. You are always going through something that is producing the death of Jesus Christ so others can see the life of Jesus come forth from us. So we sing that song, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, on earth I long to be like him. And, and, and we sing it perhaps haphazardly, but, but in reality, if you want to be like Jesus, you better get ready because you're going to have to take up your cross and follow Jesus. And, and it's going to involve the death of certain things in your life, but it will give way to the life of Jesus being made manifest in your mortal flesh. Hallelujah. So the Apostle Paul is expounding on this to us, letting us know, I know what it means. Paul is telling the church at Corinth to always 
uh, bearing about in my body the death, the dying of the Lord Jesus, to always being delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in my mortal flesh. I see it over and over. I die to this, and life bursts forth. I die to that, and life bursts forth. It is the death, it is the resurrection, and it happens over and over. And he begins to describe circumstances in which he saw this happen. And uh, he described the troubles that he faced. He said, we are troubled on every side, but we are not distressed. He said, we are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are cast down, but we are not destroyed. This is a powerful passage of scripture. Especially when you consider who is saying these words. This man, the Apostle Paul, was able to speak authoritatively concerning this relationship that he had with God. That he could go through troubles on every side without being distressed. That he could be perplexed without being in despair. That he could be persecuted without being forsaken. And that he could be cast down without being destroyed. I... I, I think this is an amazing passage for several reasons. One, you can look at situations in Paul's life. The Bible provides us a history of some of Paul's ministry. And you can see just in the history afforded us where that he can give personal account to the fact that he was troubled, not distressed, perplexed, not in despair, persecuted, not forsaken, cast down, not destroyed. And, And not only that, but when you look at these words, Uh, These words are, they're not just randomly chosen words, but they are interconnected. They're linked to one another. You know, it wouldn't have made as much sense if he would have said, we are troubled on every side, but not in despair. We are perplexed, but not distressed. We're persecuted, but not destroyed. We're cast down, but not forsaken. That kind of makes sense to us, but it wouldn't have made as much sense. These words are connected to one another and very deliberately used in the word of the Lord. So when the Apostle Paul said, we are troubled on every side, yet we are not distressed, he was describing uh, a narrowing of circumstances like walls closing in that's what he meant when he said troubled on every side he was describing that the circumstances of life were getting to a point where the walls were closing in and it looked like like every which direction he turned there was there was simply there was simply no hope and and yet even though that's the way that it was he was not distressed now distressed this word distress that he uses is a reference to an absolute squeezing and narrowing of circumstances. So when he said, I was troubled on every side but not distressed, he was saying the walls were closing in and the ceiling was coming down and the floor was coming up and I was beginning to think all hope was gone, but God in the nick of time delivered me before it became too much of a pressure for me to be able to survive. Hallelujah. It has those words, troubled and distressed, deal with with pressurizing and deal with narrowing and constricting. I see this happen in his life in Acts chapter 16 when he was called to go to a place called Macedonia. In the vision of the night, he saw a man saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And the apostle Paul took Silas with him to Macedonia. They began preaching 
and they began to have results from their preaching. It was, this is when they converted the woman by the name of Lydia. She was the seller of purple. And when they won her and brought her into the, the church of the living God, good things were happening. Then they won a young lady who was filled, possessed with the spirit of divination. Paul cast the devil out of her. And she had followed them around saying, these be the great men of God who come to show us the way of salvation. And the apostle Paul discerned that this was not of God. He cast that devil out of her. And so now they've got Lydia converted. They've got this woman possessed with the spirit of divination. But she was a wealthy woman. She brought her masters much gain by her soothsaying. And when the devil was cast out of her, the Lord delivered her from that witchcraft. And she was no longer able to provide the soothsaying that she had once provided. So she was no good for her masters. They lost a whole sector of their economy because of Paul and Silas's ministry. This caused an uproar in the town. And here is where the first wall began to come in upon Paul. This, this pressure, trouble on this side came. It was an economic pressure. And, and the merchants of the city came together and said, we need to cast Paul and Silas into the inner prison because they're shutting down parts of our economy. And they're making things difficult for us. And so Paul began to feel the pressure. And, and there, there was religious pressure. There's always, listen, when you preach the gospel, there will always be religious pressure. So there's trouble on this side. Then there's trouble on that side. Then there's trouble on this side. Then they're cast into the prison. Now, if you're claustrophobic, so far you're really going to get claustrophobic because now it feels like all the walls are closing in on you. Paul and Silas, though, laying there in prison, decided that they would not concentrate on the fact that they were troubled on every side. But instead, they would concentrate on the fact that God can still deliver them. That God is still with them. And that God is still worthy of their praise. So they lifted their voice and they prayed and they sang praises unto the Lord. And though they were constricted by bonds and though they were constricted by shackles and though the walls of the prison felt like they would just box them in they sang praises under the God of heaven and while they were troubled on every side they were not distressed because the Lord sent an earthquake that shook the jail and delivered them from their imprisoned situation. I want you to know there's a promise from God. You might feel trouble on every side, but the Lord will deliver you from distress. He will deliver you from when the constriction is too much for your spirit. And you will experience the dying of the Lord Jesus, trouble on every side, but you'll experience the life of the Lord Jesus when he delivers you from that trouble. Oh, let me remind somebody that the Lord God knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. He will make a way of escape for you. There is always, hallelujah, in every temptation, the Bible says. And by temptation, it means trial. It means difficulty. In every one of those circumstances, there's always a way of escape. Hallelujah. Troubled on every side. But there's a way of escape. And I won't be distressed because the way of escape will deliver me from when the trouble is trying to morph into distress. Hallelujah. So the Apostle Paul speaks with authority about what he means. The Bible says perplexed but not in despair. 
perplexed but not in despair. Perplexed means feeling like there's no way out, feeling like there's no hope, feeling like there's just no, no way to, to escape your circumstances. That's what perplexed deals with, but not in despair. Despair takes it a step further. This despair that Paul speaks of actually refers to being utterly at a loss. And while you're perplexed, you may think you're at a loss, but as long as you're in the perplexed stage, you're not quite in the despair stage. See, the the despair stage is truly utterly at a loss. But perplexities are merely that feeling that, that there's no hope and that there's no way out. This is what Paul said, I've been there when I thought I couldn't take anymore. But God rescued me from getting to the point where I actually couldn't take anymore. I was perplexed, but I was not in despair. We see this happen right after Paul comes into the church in Acts chapter 9. He comes into the church, and he's got the most amazing testimony. Now, you got to understand, everybody in the church... Uh, they, they really were scared of him because it wasn't that long before that, that you did not want to see this man Saul coming down the pike. If he showed up, you know, you, you were in danger of losing your life simply for being a Christian. Paul, Saul at that time, Saul was a Christian killer. He was a murderer. And, and the Bible describes that Saul was a murderer and, and, and God delivered him. God saved him. God knocked him off his high horse in the middle of the road to Damascus. Great light shone from heaven. He had a conversation with God, found out that the God he was speaking to is Jesus whom he was persecuting. And in this conversation, God gave him directions as to how he could be saved from his sins. And so Saul goes to where the Lord told him to go. And when he arrives there, he is receiving salvation. Ananias laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. He received his sight. He received the Lord. God changed his life. This man Saul began to tell everybody that would listen to him, the Lord delivered me, the Lord brought me out. And the scripture says that he began to tell the saints, he brought me out. He delivered me from my bloodthirsty ways. He delivered me from my bondage. He delivered me from all that I was engaged in. He lifted me up out of my depravity. He rescued me from my sin. He unshackled my mind. He set free my spirit. And at first they were afraid to listen to him, afraid to be in the same room with him. But when they heard what he was saying, I love what they said in Acts chapter 9, they listened to him and perceived that this thing was very Christ. I love the way he puts that. This is very Christ. There's some testimonies in this room right now that are very Christ. They're just like Jesus. Hallelujah. When he can make a way where there seems to be no way. Where he can cause the desert to have streams coming. Hallelujah. In the dry desert land. Praise the Lord. They said this is very Christ. But the Jews weren't so happy. And the Bible says that the Jews were determined to kill Saul. Now you know when you're Saul and you just got done making sure people who were Christians were murdered for their Christianity. And now you are converted to Christianity and you hear that the same people you used to run around with are targeting you and they're going to take your life. You might 
be deceived by the devil to think it's going to happen because you've got it coming. Saul knew what it was like to be perplexed. It seemed like there was no way out. He was cornered in a room in an upper chamber. They were lying in wait at the gate for when he would come out and they were going to kill him. Perplexed. What do you do? What do you do when there is no way out? The only way out, they, 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 they actually have crews of people that are ready to murder me. Where do I go? What do I do? He knows what it's like to be perplexed. But he also knows what it's like to be delivered just before the perplexity reaches the stage of despair. Because the Bible says that they, they crafted a basket and they put Saul inside the basket put him outside the window and created some kind of a contraption and let him down the window on the side of the wall in a basket. Just when it looked like there was no way out, God made a way out. God made a way of escape. He was perplexed, hallelujah, but he knows what it's like to be so perplexed that you think there's no way out only to see God step in and make a way. Oh, I was troubled on every side, but not distressed. I was perplexed, but not in despair. Hallelujah. I, 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 I felt like there was no way out, but God saved me before I was utterly at a loss. That's what that word literally means. That word despair in the Greek that Paul uses, it means utterly at a loss. And God won't let his people ever get to a point where they're utterly at a loss. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4, we are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Now this term, persecuted, but not forsaken, this word persecuted in the Greek, it actually means to be pursued. Pursued. Paul knew what it was like to be pursued for his preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now anytime you talk about persecution, you're generally speaking of religious persecution. It, it's, it, 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 we do see, we, and we talked about in Acts chapter 16, where there, was, there were merchants in the city who rose up against Paul and Silas and tried to shut down their ministry. But that actually was the rarity. Much of the persecution came from the religious circles. And that's where you'll find much persecution of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will come from religious circles. When the, see, the gospel is an offensive message because the gospel says... That, that you actually don't have to put faith in what you do. You just put your faith in what Jesus did. It's an, it's an amazing message. When we say amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We're not lying. It, it actually to some sounds too good to be true. It is a remarkable, phenomenal, chain-breaking, mind-healing, heart-mending, soul-stirring message that saves to the uttermost. And it reaches down into the muck and the mire of any problem you've gotten yourself involved with. And the religious world does not like the gospel because it conflicts with all of their all of their the strings that they attach to their message. 
And, and so the gospel of Jesus Christ comes under assault from religious persecution. And this is what Paul was experiencing. He was preaching Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He set me free. He brought me out. He did it. I didn't do it. I don't know how to be saved. He saved me. He lifted me. I don't know how to lift myself, but he lifted me. He, hallelujah, he picked me up. Hallelujah, he turned me around. He placed my feet on a solid ground. Oh, bless his name he said I did it without anybody's ceremony I did it without anybody's ritual I didn't put my faith in the blood of goats I didn't put my faith in the blood of calves I put my faith in the blood of the lamb and he lifted me hallelujah and the religious world did not like what he was preaching. And the Bible says that he, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. Paul had this thing. He was bent on going to Jerusalem and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in fact, he would say it this way. I must needs go to Jerusalem. The prophet Agabus came to him and said, I've got to tell you something. There's going to be much trouble befall you if you go to Jerusalem. And, and he thought, I don't know if he thought, but some maybe hoped that that would be a deterrent, that Paul would hear that and say, oh, well, then maybe I won't, shouldn't go. It, it, that's not at all the effect it had on Paul. Paul said, I, he said, I, 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 I don't care. What do, you think, what do you think this is? You think I'm just traveling around to where they accept me? Folks, we have it easy in 2017. We preach to congregations that applaud what we're saying. We preach to amen corners. Paul didn't have amen corners. Paul just preached the gospel to whosoever will. Most of them weren't saying amen. Most of them were lining up to put shackles on him and throw him in prison. But he would preach in the prison. When he'd get out of the prison, he'd preach to the guards who were escorting him out of the prison. He'd preach to the governor if he got into his audience. He'd preach to the king he'd preach to whoever would listen wherever they were he'd preach Jesus 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 in Jerusalem he went directly to the synagogue and started preaching Jesus he said the Lord saved me the Lord caused a great light to shine above the brightness of the sun he got my attention he he blinded my eyes but he actually opened them hallelujah and and he he shared this to the point that the whole group rose up against him they had to come in in fact the bible says that the, the, the soldiers came in and and arrested paul they didn't know what was going on all they knew was this guy standing in the middle of this crowd preaching and everybody hates him so we better get him and take him out they took him out and they and and, and the bible says that he was in company with the high priest another man by the name of ananias and the bible says that ananias smote him on the mouth for preaching the gospel. And the apostle Paul looked at him and said, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. He called him a hypocrite. And they said, don't you know this is the high priest? He said, oh, I'm sorry. He said, I'm not to speak evil of dignities, dignitaries. So I apologize. And so, so the apostle Paul was being persecuted. They were pursuing him. Do you know that at that time, 40 Jews went on a hunger strike? And said, we will neither eat nor drink until we kill Paul. They were, going to, they were going to reason with the powers that be and get him released to them so they could murder him. That was getting ready to happen. The apostle Paul had no idea it was getting ready to happen. Forty Jews went on a hunger strike and were getting ready to kill the apostle Paul for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so he, he was inside the prison 
Word got to the prison guard. They got word to Paul. They said, we're going to take you out. And here he was, persecuted, but not forsaken. See, persecuted means pursued, but forsaken means left behind. So, so, so follow me. Persecuted means that the enemy is pursuing you. But when he said, I'm persecuted but not forsaken, he's saying, the enemy is pursuing me, but God has got me by the hand, running me into my future, refusing to let me be left behind. Glory to God. So while Paul is sitting in that prison, uh, he's, he's awaiting trial, and he doesn't know what's going to happen. But the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, Fear not, Paul. Be of good cheer. I am with you, and I've got more for you to do. This isn't the end of the road for you. You might feel in this moment that you won't make it through the night. You might feel in this moment that the 40 people that are on a hunger strike until they murder you that they will have complete control over your destiny but I've come to tell you not to be afraid be of good cheer I am with you and I'm going to escort you out of this prison and into your future Well, hallelujah. Some of you know what it feels like to be pursued by the adversary. You can't lay your head to rest because the enemy is on your trail. But don't be afraid. Hallelujah. You might be persecuted, but you're not forsaken. God will not leave you behind. God will not leave you behind. He has a destiny for you. I said he has a destiny for you. He has a future in mind for you. And he's going to pull you. He's going to escort you into the future that he has prepared for you. Hallelujah. Troubled on every side, but not distressed. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted. Just when you're running from your past. You know the Bible gives this great verse of scripture in the book of Hosea. I love it. It says this. It says, uh, Jacob, Jacob fled from Esau, but Israel served for a wife, and for a wife he kept sheep. Okay, that's, 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 there's a powerful principle there. Jacob fled from Esau, but Israel served for a wife, and for a wife he kept sheep. That's what the book of Hosea says. Here's what's... Here's what's interesting about that. Number one, we're talking about the same guy. Jacob is Israel. Israel is Jacob. But we're talking about two parts of the same guy. Jacob is his flesh, is his carnality. Jacob running from Esau, scared for his life, that's his flesh. But when he was serving for a wife and for a wife keeping sheep, that was his spirit man. That was the thing God put inside of him that gave him tenacity. But what's really interesting is that his name didn't change to Israel until the Jabbok River, long after he had served for a wife. And for a wife, he kept sheep. So God was saying, I changed his name to Israel at the Jabbok River, but he was acting like Israel. Back when he first saw Rachel. And what happened when he saw Rachel was he stopped running from Esau and he started pursuing Rachel. He stopped fleeing from his past and he started running to his future. 
You can keep on running, but I'm running for a different reason than I used to run. I used to run because I was scared of who was behind me. But now I'm running because I'm excited about what's ahead of me. Persecuted, but not forsaken. God's got a hold of me. And he's escorting me into my future. No, I will not be in bondage to my past. No, sir. No, ma'am. I will not be in bondage to my past and be persecuted by the adversary of my soul because God did not forsake me. God's going to get my hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, And escort me victoriously into the destiny that he has prepared for me. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like somebody, you're running from something. You need to stop running from something and start running to something. Hallelujah. Run to his peace. Run to his joy. Run to his holiness. Run to life everlasting. And stop worrying about what's on your trail. Hallelujah. Cast down, but not destroyed. Paul said, I know what it's like to be cast down. Oh, I've been there. Where I've been just utterly cast down. And cast down in the Greek means cast down. That's what it means. It means thrown down. Paul said, I know what it's like to be thrown down to the ground. But I also know what it's like after having been thrown down to not be destroyed. You know, you fall, depending on how high you were when you fell, you can break stuff that no recovery from. You know, it's one thing if I stumbled down these steps. Wouldn't wouldn't that be great to get on video? Amen. YouTube. That's why I stay pretty clear from these unless, I'm to- unless I can tell I'm totally in the Holy Ghost. Then I just kind of dance up and down them. But I have to wait a good 20 minutes into the sermon before I try it. But if, I, if I'm up on a ladder and I cast down to the ground, I'm, that's more than a sprained ankle, folks. That's heavy-duty injury. And the Apostle Paul said, I know what it's like to be thrown down, cast down. I know what it's like to feel like like there is no recovery from this. But I also know what it's like to when I expect it all to be at an end, not to be destroyed. Hallelujah. My mind goes back to when he was on a boat. And he was pleading with the, the captain of the vessel not to take a certain route. Now, the captain of the vessel had far more experience than Paul when it came to nautical navigation. But he didn't have the leadership of the Spirit of God in his life. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. When it comes to life decisions, I will follow the leadership of the Holy Ghost over every logical conclusion that man can develop doesn't matter does not matter how much schooling has gone into it when it comes down to life decisions i'm going to follow the voice of god 
And the Apostle Paul said, listen to me. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you. Do not take this course that you have mapped out. There is much peril and much harm. The Lord has warned me. But it was out of his control. And the nautical expert began to take the route that he chose. And they went into the teeth of a storm that had a name. And it didn't have a, a nice pretty name like Maria or Irma. And those, Lord, help us all. We've got to pray for Puerto Rico, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're praying for Puerto Rico. And God saved those precious people and lift them up out of this devastation. And Irma hit Florida and Harvey hit Texas. Those are all kind of benign sounding names. This storm's name was Eurocladon. Now, folks, I don't want to ever run into a storm called Eurocladon. That is not, you sound like a transformer. No, no. I don't want nothing to do with no Eurocladon. And the Apostle Paul said, you don't want to go this way, you want to go that way. And the nautical experts said, no, we're going this way. And they go right into the teeth of Eurocladon. And Paul is standing there thinking, you know, I would or could or maybe should say, I told you so. But we're kind of past that point. Eurocladon so violently ripped that ship to shreds. It it destroyed that boat. And, and here they are at the mercy of the wind, at the mercy of the waves. And, and it tore that boat to the point that it broke it literally into pieces. The boat is shattered into so many pieces that the Apostle Paul was holding on to a piece of the boat just trying to paddle his way to the nearest shore. And do you know that not one person on that ship lost their life. Now, 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 folks, he spent a day and a night in the deep. Now, it's easy just to read that and, and keep that contained in its nice little verse of Scripture, KJV little compartment. But, folks, if you spend a day and a night floating on a piece of broken boat, you know what that means. You're dying. It's over. It's over. You're cast down. All hope is lost. There's no hope for you or at least the people you were with on the boat. This cannot end well. But, but I don't know what it is about living for God, serving God. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. It is a win-win situation. I don't know how to explain it. Woo. You know what the beautiful thing about Paul was? That Paul understood that his trips, his, tra his travels were so perilous, he understood that at any moment he could die. And you know what he said about that? He said, I count not myself. He said, I count not my life dear unto myself. I know that the course that I take, it may end up in physical death. But for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's a win-win situation when you're living for the Lord I know what it's like to be cast down but I also know what it's like not to be destroyed hallelujah hallelujah oh glory to God he floated up onto that shore and 
And, and I mean, can you imagine how exciting it would have been to find the shore after spending a day and a night in the deep? And then I'm not talking about Royal Caribbean Cruise Line. I'm talking about a day and a night on a broken piece of boat, paddling your way to shore as best you can. And when he got up onto that shore, folks, if it, if it you know, sometimes you think, well, it can't get worse than it is right now, only to see it get worse. The Apostle Paul gets up onto that, up onto that shore, and he's cold. So he's going to build a fire. And, and he's getting some sticks together. And while he's gathering sticks and making a fire, all of a sudden, out of the sticks, once he got the fire started, out of the sticks came a viper and latched onto his arm. Now, I remember when my girls were little, we were in Malta. Brother and Sister Enos were ministering in Malta, and we went to help them for a couple weeks, and we were there. And, uh, and this, of course, was the island where the Apostle Paul was shipwrecked and snake bit. And so we went to the spot that they have designated this is the area where the Apostle Paul was shipwrecked and snake bit. And I couldn't wait. I preached on it so many times. Bishop, I just couldn't wait to get there and see it and show it to the girls. And it was just, just excited, exciting to, to be, you know, this biblical sight. So we got down and, and uh, I, said, I said, let's go down here and look at the area where the Apostle Paul was shipwrecked and floated on the shore on a piece of a broken boat. And decided to build a little fire and gather the sticks together and created a fire. And, and so I said, it probably was in an area just like this. And we went down to some brush and I started gathering little sticks and a brush. And I said, and as he put it in this area, and I put it in the area. And I said, it was just an area just like this. All of a sudden, a snake jumped out at the Apostle Paul. And then I started thinking. <laughs> if it happened back then. It could happen again. So I wrapped that story up real fast and said, now, now, that's how the story goes. Now, God bless you. Let's get out of here, and, and we'll just we'll come take pictures. Get a good picture. Get a good picture. We're not coming back to where the Apostle Paul got bit by a snake. Just when you think it can't get worse, it does get worse. And the Bible says that when the snake latched on to the Apostle Paul, that those who watched it happen said this, he's a murderer. Why? Because a snake bit him. He had it coming. A viper latched onto his arm. He's a murderer. You know what? They were right. He was a murderer in his past. But we're not talking about his past. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, bless his name. See, the vipers are still trying to punish you for your past. The vipers of life. The vipers of life are still jumping out of the sticks, trying to latch onto you concerning your past. And so those that stand around and watch are waiting to see your reaction to the vipers of life. That's the dying of the Lord Jesus. That's always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. And that viper is hanging on to Paul's arm and 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 Paul the Bible says 
shakes it off into the fire. And everybody was watching and waiting to see if he would fall down dead. But he didn't die. Because the blood of Jesus is an anti-venom. You might feel the pain, but you won't feel the effects of the venom. When the snake bites you, hallelujah, you might feel, you might feel the fang, but you won't feel the venom. It won't be able to course through your body because you might be cast down, but not destroyed. You might be perplexed, but not in despair. You might be troubled on every side, but not in distress. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You might be persecuted, but not forsaken oh hallelujah you know sometimes we can concentrate so much on the I'm troubled on every side I'm perplexed I'm persecuted I'm cast down the apostle Paul teaches us something it's impossible to ignore the fact that you're perplexed when you're perplexed it's impossible to ignore the fact that you're cast down when you're cast down it's impossible to ignore the fact that you're persecuted when you're persecuted or that you're troubled on all sides. But he said, that's not what I'm going to concentrate on. I'm going to concentrate on the fact that even though I was troubled on every side, I'm not in distress. Hallelujah. I'm not going to concentrate on the fact that I'm cast down. I'm going to concentrate on the fact that I'm not destroyed. I'm going to concentrate on the fact that I'm not in despair. Hallelujah. I'm going to focus on what didn't happen. You know, the feast is a feast of Israel. There's a a holiday, a celebration of Israel called Purim. And this is a celebration of when Haman had arranged for the execution of all the Jews in Persia. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It's a celebration. They're celebrating what didn't happen. We try to celebrate everything that did happen. But we fail to celebrate what didn't happen. Let me tell you something. There are so many plans the devil's had for me that did not materialize that did not come through, that are all messed up. He's had to go back to the war room and redraft a whole new set of plans because I refuse to put my faith in the arm of the flesh. I put my faith in the living God of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. And so you know what? I'm going to celebrate what didn't happen. I'm going to celebrate... I wonder if there's somebody here right now that can stand to their feet and celebrate what didn't happen. Come on, somebody. Give God praise for what the devil was unsuccessful in doing. Remember, remember when he tried to make you turn your back on God because of being offended and having hurt feelings? Guess what? It didn't work. Oh, I know you struggled with it a little while and you were troubled on every side, but you're not in distress. You made it out. You were delivered. God set you free. Hallelujah. You remember when you lost that loved one and it didn't make any sense and you wept and you grieved and you wondered why and the devil thought that he had your faith in the palm of his hand. It didn't work. Your faith is still in the living God of heaven and earth. You were perplexed, but you're not in despair. 
Hallelujah. Remember when your sadness and your sorrow was reaching a peak and you didn't know, you didn't think there was any way it could get any better? But joy, joy, joy came in the midst of the sorrow. Peace came in the midst of the storm. You don't even know how it came. All you knew to do and you did what you knew to do, you praised him. You lifted him up. You worshiped his holy name. You magnified him. Come on, somebody. Remember when the devil set a snare for your feet and you were walking along? He had temptations lined up to take you out. He had built temptations custom made to your whims and your fancies, custom made to your proclivities and your desires. But you put your faith in God. You would not look to the left. You would not look to the right. You fasted and you prayed. Oh, he thought he had you, but he didn't have you. You might have been cast down, but you weren't destroyed. Somebody ought to praise him right now. Somebody ought to lift him up right now. Somebody ought to thank God that he kept you. Ah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel a praise in this house. I feel a praise in the house of God right now. Come on, I feel a praise in the house of God right now. Bless his holy name. 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 name. Hallelujah. I want everybody who feels perplexed in their spirit right now to begin praising the Lord. Right now, everybody who feels some perplexity, come on, just lift up your voice of praise unto God right now. Because he's delivering you out of your despair even now. He's delivering you out of your despair even now. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I want somebody to come to the front right now. Why don't we pray before we go tonight? Come on, in the name of Jesus. There you go. That's it. Go ahead. Somebody come and say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I have faith in your power. I might be cast down right now, but I will not be destroyed. I might be perplexed right now, but I will not despair. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I might be troubled on every side, but I will not distress. This will not defeat me. This will not destroy me. I have faith in God. I have faith in God. I have faith in God. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Love him. Praise him. Magnify him. Come on, you're going to make it through this. In the name of Jesus, you're going to make it through this. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. You might be persecuted, but you're not forsaken. God has his hand on you. God is leading you. God's giving you a brand new hope, a brand new future. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want everybody who's fallen to temptation and you think that there's no way out. You are not utterly at a loss. 
this. God has his hand upon you. You are not utterly at a loss. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh my God, my God, my God, we praise you. My God, we love you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Come on, that's it. That's it. Go ahead and lift him up right now in the name of the Lord. Lift him up in the house of God. Lift him up in the house of God. Magnify his name. Praise his holy name. Bless his holy name. Woo! Thank you, Jesus, for your mighty power. Thank you, Jesus, for your mighty power. Thank you, Jesus, for your mighty power. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Go ahead and praise him right now. Go ahead and praise him right now. Woo, glory. Yeah, 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 Lord. I won't go back. Can't go back. Before your presence came and saved me, won't go back. 